Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. That time, Sports Daily getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. All right, we welcome in Brian Haney here on Sports Daily. We were joking, Brian, yesterday when we were shuffling around the schedule. Sports Daily sort of punishing the Jayhawks a little bit. You got bumped. You got bumped to the second hour from your usual (laughs) shift. I guess that's what happens when you get on a three-game losing streak here. What in the world? What are we going to do about this? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. When we're winning national championships and going to bowl games, you guys give me whatever time I want. I get to do a little rider list of of items that I want set to my room before you call, and like like the music stars do. And then first thing you know, since we start losing back-to-back games for just the 17th time in the Bill Self era here, I get bumped to the next hour. I'm, I'm surprised it's not going to be one of those, sorry, we ran out of time for you today. We'll try Oh, no, yeah. Uh, just, but, yeah. Hey, I fought for you, Brian. I fought as hard as I could. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it, man. I can always count on you. <laughs> well, you. In, the, in the spirit of that, uh, we do need to get things turned around here for the Jayhawks. What a what a league this is turning out to be. Iowa State gets the job done last night. K-State falls, and it just gets to be more of a jumbled mess at the top of the Big 12. We were talking before, like, if you have to pick a team to win it, who do you even pick at this point? I, I don't know that we're going to get a sole champion of the league this year. It feels like this is going to be a split kind of year to me. What do you think? I mean, that seems like uh, an understatement to just think that two might split it, right? Right, yeah. And obviously, you know, you look at what Kim Palm's putting out this week. I don't know if you guys saw it. At the start of the week, his projections had four teams finishing at 11-7 and and a first-ever four-way tie, which is crazy because the league would actually send four trophies out and you would have 40% of the league claiming a championship, which is nuts. And it probably won't go down like that. But then again, as even as it looks right now, and everybody who's within striking distance and those top six or seven teams, this really could come down to the final week where you've got five teams separated by a game. And, uh, you know, to see how it shakes out, it would not surprise me at all if there's a, a three-way tie at the top or something like that. But in previous years where you'd feel solid about um, you know, 14 and four being the number you'd need to win the league. 13 and five would win it outright this year, hands down. 12 and six might be good enough 
to get a share of it. And, and KU's path to 12 and six is, is doable. I mean, we thought when we lost to TCU, Hey, that's, that's your one stub of the toe at home. You need to hold serve in a place where self has only lost now 17 times in 319 games in 20 years here. You hold serve the rest of the way. There's eight wins right there. And uh, if you go five and four on the road, then you're 13 and five, and that would be enough to win it outright. I don't know that hold and serve is going to be as, uh, I don't want to say easy, if it's going to be as assured as it would be in previous years, because you look at even our Big 12 wins, they were, you know, four point win over Oklahoma, single possession games, and our other two home wins. It's been, you know, nail biters, Oklahoma State and Iowa State prior to that. So I think for Kansas, maybe seven and two at home is a, a more conservative approach, although certainly we hope to win the rest of them. And, uh, and then do you go four and five on the road, five and four on the road? What's the number? I don't know. But uh, clearly some of our toughest games lie in front of us. And we do have, you know, the road trip to Manhattan and the home game with Iowa State out of the way. But I uh, haven't played Texas yet at all. That's a top 10 team. So I think for these Jayhawk fans that are wondering, where do we still sit in the pecking order here? There's going to be some cannibalization going on amongst this league, beating up on each other and and top teams knocking each other down a peg. But the Jayhawks still have a great chance if they can just do what they typically do at home and hold serve as much as you can and then take about every other road game. You should be right there in the thick of that Ken Palm projection, which had – K-State, Iowa State, Kansas, and Texas as the four 11 and 7 teams. And then you had, uh, believe it or not, Baylor and TCU one game back. Think about that. That's, that's six teams right there that are all ranked, that all feel like they're you know, potentially the best team in this conference. And we've got six weeks to go, and nobody has any idea how this thing is going to shake out. Well, Brian, let's go back to Big Monday uh, on the road in Waco. A, a lot to break down with this game. Uh, it was another game where we saw not much production from the bench. In fact, only two bench points for Kansas, and that was from MJ Rice uh, in just four minutes of action. Uh, but we saw Jalen Wilson shoot the ball pretty well. Grady Dick had a really good game. Kevin McCuller added a double-double. I, I guess where I want to start with this, first off, how's Dewan Harris doing um, health-wise? And, you know, they played a lot of games in a, in a short period of time. And after that fall that uh, he took – in Manhattan last week, he hasn't really looked all the way there. Struggled uh, quite a bit against uh, against Baylor and Waco, but overall, where do you think he stands? Great question, and and an astute observation in terms of what he's looked like since the fall. When it first happened, he, he cleared any type of concussion testing. And, uh, you know, the, the doctor said, you're good to go. He stays in the game, but makes uncharacteristic live ball turnover mistakes at the end of regulation and at the end of the game and overtime, just were very undewan like and, uh, and you thought, well, maybe it's just fatigue. And then you head into the next game and, and similar struggles for Harris versus TCU, which is decision-making and, and turnovers. He was actually – credited with only three turnovers but we counted five during the broadcast uh that just it did, didn't look like the one and and i'd asked coach self prior to the game i said hey how was he in practice the last couple of days after the hard fall because he talked about the hard fall on last thursday's hawk talk and and he shook off the question and said oh he's, he's fine he, he's been a full go but then you just continue to see the struggles and you don't want to you know just assume that it's it's physical maybe 
Um, you know, maybe there's just a, a rough stretch in the schedule where he's going up against faster, quicker guards and he hasn't played his best ball. But we also know that by and large, DeWan usually is one of the very best at, uh, at, at limiting the poor decisions. He's the nation's or rather the conference's leader in assist to turnover ratio and one of the top 10 in the country in that regard. And so for him to go through a stretch like he's been these last three games, it does kind of feel like maybe something happened on that fall. And I think that that's a question that, um, you know, in, in an honest moment, folks in the locker room would wonder about that. But he, in terms of health and, and clearing concussion protocol and all that stuff, he got a thumbs up. But you, you never know, you know, truly, you know, what's going on with, with Juan in between the years. And, and hopefully if it's a seven to ten day thing, if he did get his bell rung, we see the, the normal Juan return for the Kentucky game. But they've been very careful in giving him – as much rest as they can between games and, and trying to listen to, you know, the cues he gives the staff. But everything when asked by the, the training staff and the medical team, he passed everything, you know, with flying colors. So hard to put a finger on it because he's not looked like himself. And, you know, to be brutally honest, if you try to pinpoint where, where some of the biggest pitfalls have been in the three-game losing streak, you know, it goes back to those turnovers at the end of the K-State game and then, while Kevin McCuller and Grady may have struggled for a couple of games in there, they both, as you pointed out, bounced back very solidly, in Grady's case, spectacularly, in Waco. But Juan's struggles continued. So you really hope that a guy that you know, Bill Self feels is as good as any point guard in the country, you hope he's back to his normal ways because this is a guy that you know Kansas is touting for Bob Cousy Award consideration. Bill Self has said all season he's the most underrated point guard in America. But uh, it clearly does not look like the normal DeWan Harris these last two weeks. Yeah, I agree with with both of you guys. I thought it especially showed in the Baylor game that, you know, we we constantly, you know, universally or generally speaking, people point to the bigs, right? And all those offensive rebounds given up and all those things make that stand out. But I'm not sure that's ever going to be the strength of this team so Dewan Harris getting back seems to be even more critical because that is something that this team has to rely on and is on the roster, you know, per se. Yeah, clearly there were two categories that got us beat in Waco. One was second chance points with 17 offensive rebounds we allowed them to get. And then the other was points off turnovers. And, and some of those were attributed to some of the mistakes that, that we made with live ball turnovers. The first of which is going to be hard to overcome. You just hit on that, Jacob. I mean, we're, we're not, unless Ernest and Zuby leapfrogs KJ somehow, we're not going to match up height-wise with the Flo Thambas of the league or Oscar Sheepway right. this Saturday night, for example. But, you know, can we be better with taking care of the ball and, and not allow a team to double us up in, in that category? That's something that has to get better overnight. I do think you started to see Bill give more opportunities to Ernest because Ernest has proven worthy of them with some better practices of late. And uh, while he's very much a work in progress and will not get anywhere near what he can be eventually, uh, it's not going to happen in the next couple of months. He's still a true freshman at the end of the year. Let's, let's call it what it is. He's, he's a rookie that's pretty raw, but you're seeing him get more trust from the head coach. And that's important because prior to the TCU game, Ernest had played literally one second of Big 12 action. He was brought in for the last split second, in fact, versus Oklahoma State in our league opener and hadn't played since. And MJ hadn't played 
since the road trip to Lubbock in game two. And some of that had to do with his back flaring up. But the point is, Coach is starting to trust those guys a little bit more. It's, it's not going to flip the switch and all of a sudden be all-conference caliber play off the bench with those guys. But you, you like the fact that they're getting a little bit more of a chance because clearly there is some untapped potential there that other bench options just don't have in the tank. And you know, you're only going to get so far with options X, Y, and Z, but you got a couple of McDonald's All-Americans that when given a chance to, to grow and have some more seasoning – might eventually be impact difference makers off the bench. The other guy that I think off the bench itself is really setting up to try to have a big second half is Joe Yesifu. And we had him on Hawk Talk last night. Perhaps you heard the interview here on KFH. He said he really feels like Joe is due for a big breakout in the second half of the league schedule and that he could be the type of guy that comes in in a given game and hits three or four threes off the bench. And what you didn't hear on KFH was when the interview was over and Joe puts his headset down and starts to walk off and coach is coming back up to the stage. Coach stops him and taps him on the shoulder and says, I meant what I said. You can be that guy. I think it can happen. And, and you just kind of saw it register with Joe and you saw coach kind of using that platform of Hawk talk and that, setting on on live TV and radio to inject some confidence into the young man. So I do think that there's some options brewing uh, better than what we've seen to this point, because clearly the bench play has not been what we've become accustomed to seeing here at Kansas. Uh, Hopefully there's help on the horizon with some of these guys developing. But for now, uh, with the lineup we have, it's going to be easier to take care of the uh, live ball turnovers than it is the defensive rebounding when you're operating at a height mismatch in some of these matchups like Monday and unfortunately like Saturday coming up as well. Well, following up on that, Brian, um, is it concerning to you at all? Then this is strictly from an offensive perspective concerning to you that the game against Baylor, you've got Jalen Wilson doing what Jalen Wilson does. Uh, shooting a lot of shots, but making a good amount of shots and and scoring 23 points. Grady Dick breaking out, not only hitting a couple of threes, but being able to drive to the hoop, and he's got 24. Kevin McCuller adding a double-double, but it still wasn't enough, and you didn't really see much production at all offensively from the bench. And, And we've talked before on this program about the lack of depth from the big from the bigs on the bench, but then also I think we're seeing that a little bit more from guard play as well with Bobby Pettiford not really contributing a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball. Joe Yesifu, I know he got extended minutes, but he didn't score on Monday night. How concerning is that to you from an overall offensive perspective? You definitely need some punch off the bench. And what we've seen from some of our recent opponents, like Desi Sills of K-State, who goes for 24 against us, or you know, the next game, Walls had a big one for uh, for TCU against us in which he was – providing something that Kansas clearly didn't have. Wells, I beg your pardon, Shahada Wells. You know, we haven't had that spark plug off the bench that some of these other winning Big 12 teams have had. And that's where I say, you know, Bill's setting up Joe to not be that every night, but know that that's in the tank at some point in in an isolated once-a-month type situation where you need it. Realistically, going back to October, we would have thought that MJ Rice was that. Could he still be that? Tough to say. You know, Curtis Townsend, in a very honest moment the other night in Waco before the game, said when comparing MJ 
to where these other McDonald's All-American freshmen that the, the NBA scouts were there to see. By the way, there were 34 NBA scouts from 16 different teams at the game on Monday night. And, and we were talking a lot about, obviously, Grady Dick, who I think enhanced his stock by showing he could put the ball on the deck and, and drive it to the rim and not just be camping around the perimeter. But also the ESPN number three overall player in this past recruiting class, Keontae George, who did not have a good game with those scouts watching but is so much further along because he's not dealt with all the setbacks that MJ's had. And, and that's the comment that I was setting up from Curtis Townsend. He said, MJ, in terms of seasoning and growth and progress, is still stuck in November. And everybody else is getting set to turn the calendar to February. And that wasn't a criticism. That was just the cold, hard facts of a lingering back issue, a knee issue before that, COVID hit him once, and then he had the kidney stones issue on top of that. And so he had missed extended stretches that kept him from being able to truly you know, take flight with his progress and ascension. And so, like I said earlier, it's a great sign that Bill Self is trying to give him opportunities now because maybe it turns into a Remy Martin situation where – you know, at, at the end of the regular season, you get something injected into your rotation that you haven't had, and that's rare. And let's be clear, he's not going to be necessarily as productive as Remy was. What came alive for Kansas at the end of last season was a 2,000-point career scorer over the course of his Arizona State and Kansas careers combined. MJ's not going to be that by March the 1st. But if MJ continues to get – minutes in each half of every game the next 10 and can stay healthy and have the back hold up maybe he is able to give you more scoring punch off the bench I just I don't see it right now and like I said earlier I mean this this season's growing old pretty quickly here as we get set to the transition to February but it is a good sign that he's feeling good enough and his coach believes in him enough to get some chances I will point out in the TCU game he played in the first half for two minutes first time he played since Lubbock and then in the second half, the back had tightened up enough that when Self went down the bench and said, can you go in, he shook him off and said, sorry, coach, I can't. And so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Does that sound familiar to Remy a year ago? A little bit, right? So hopefully he gets good health on his side because that might be the easiest answer, Tommy, to your question of scoring punch off the bench. Not many teams have two McDonald's All-Americans that haven't been playing at all, but that's the case for Kansas prior to last week with Uday and rice doesn't mean that they're going to blossom overnight, but maybe you have something by the time we, we head into postseason play with those guys. It's just so contrary to how Bill self normally does things prior to last year, because as we always say, his eight to nine man rotation is pretty much locked in by mid January, but these are special circumstances and it's a team that clearly needs a shot in the arm. So I would expect that that bench rotation to continue to have some, jockeying for position in the same way that it looked like Zuby had the inside chair on being the first big off bench for about three weeks. And then there were a couple of games where he was the fifth option. I think that'll continue to kind of have some uh, up and down nature with who he turns to on the bench throughout these next three or four weeks until we head into postseason play. I, last one for me, and this was just as they were out rebounded the way that they are, the were against Baylor. And, of course, we always have interest in Grady Dick here. Do you think, Brian, or does Bill Self think, if you've heard from him on this specifically, what kind of rebounder can Grady Dick be? And where does that fit in what he needs to learn how to do to elevate his game? Well, he needs to be the type of rebounder that, that the 
four position, um, you know, and I realize that he plays the three, but th- those, those longer Kansas wings that we've seen Bill Self transition to really ever since the Josh Jackson era uh, where you had a Josh or a Svee or, you know, in recent seasons, Brown and Jalen Wilson on that championship team, they were able to crash the glass and give you a second rebounding presence since you didn't go with two traditional post players. And that's what we've told you on previous reports he wants to be, a four-round-one type team where you've got one more traditional big, and I know KJ is not that, but typically a true five-man, and then two guards that have the six-seven to six-eight height, long arms, and the ability to attack the glass. I've seen a lot from Grady in getting in there and mixing it up and using his wingspan and his length, you know, to, to be the type of rebounder that can be an impact player and a difference maker. The numbers show he only averages about five boards a game, but I think it's going to get better with time. We've also seen him come up with some big blocks in recent games. He had two at Kansas State where he showed his length inside. And so as he starts to drive the ball more and get in the paint and, and be more of a all three levels type player in terms of where he's scoring from, I think that'll naturally have him a little bit closer to the basket for some putbacks and maybe those rebound numbers go up a little bit. But where we need him right now is on the defensive glass, not offensive. We need to make sure when we labor for 28 seconds to force a miss that it's a one and out and we're able to box out as a smaller team and get that defensive rebound and not have so many second and third chances, which is what killed Kansas on Monday night. You know, KJ's not going to grow any taller between now and Selection Sunday, so you need Jalen and Grady to help out with that. And then if we do start to see more steady minutes from Ernest or Zuby or whoever, uh, you know, maybe that helps a little bit, but Self's not going to change the starting lineup anytime soon unless an injury happens. So that means everybody just has to tug on that rope a little bit more, and that includes Grady, who I think could be a, a seven-rebound-per-game type guy in the season's second half. He definitely has the length to do it, and, and you're seeing – aspects of his game really start to blossom in season, and that could be the next one that happens. KU-UK, Saturday night, it's got the spotlight game. Shibway is uh, he's going to be a force. You guys get some rest ahead of that one Saturday night. They rested him yesterday. I don't know if all the starters will practice today. Self is mindful of how exhausted this team has looked of late. So hopefully we're a rested team that also plays free, Jacob, knowing that, yeah, this game's important. You know, we, we want to build on our six-game lead in the all-time winningest programs ever, Chase. But in the grand scheme of things, this game isn't nearly as important as Monday was. It's not nearly as important as, as next Tuesday is going to be when K-State comes to town. So hopefully Kansas comes in with a free mind. Maybe Dewan Harris plays with less pressure on his shoulders. And, and you see that Dewan that we came to know and love prior to this recent spell. But looking forward to it. It's always fun going to another great college basketball arena. Rupp's nowhere close to fog, but it's it's definitely in the top ten for sure. And we look forward to uh, seeing all that history and seeing two proud programs collide on Saturday. There goes Brian Haney. Brian, you get your rest as well. We appreciate these visits each week. That's right. Big thanks. That's what you were setting me up for. The uh, yeah. mattress sub. Yes. I, I thought you were just talking about our tired team that Bill Self keeps talking well, about. It's yes, Shibway. It's Shibway. It's, it's relevant. It is. It is. No doubt. 
but yeah, I, I always sleep better in my own bed thanks to my friends at the Mattress Hub. They are Wichita owned and operated by some of Wichita's very best people. Ryan Beatty, the uh, founder of this company and president and CEO, he's awesome. And so is the purple mattress I got from these guys back in the spring. I had back issues before. Now I feel great, feel healthy and spry again because I'm getting quality sleep on a mattress that is the right fit for me and, and my body type. So go in there and, and try out the, the Serta, the Tempur-Pedic, the Purple. You'll be able to, to lay on all these mattresses and even have 100 days to make sure it's the right fit for you before you're fully committed. So make sure you check out all the great customer service and specials they have at the Mattress Hub today. Guys, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. And there goes Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, you'll hear that game this weekend on KFH. Tommy and I will be back. We'll continue with more Sports Daily right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy, the Royals continue to uh, tear it down a little bit. I Trading uh, Adalberto Mondesi yesterday for, again, another guy who could fit into the bullpen. With some injury issues, but was a good reliever for the Red Sox a couple of years ago at the big league level. I think it makes fine sense. The Royals were never going to get a ton for Mondesi because he's free agent and he's not healthy. So... Getting a guy and taking a little bit of a risk, if you're going to have to take an injury risk anyway, on somebody who's had that level of success at the big league level made sense to me. There's always going to be the possibility that Mondesi finally is able to stay on the field and make you shake your head at what his ability would allow him to do. But it wasn't going to be with Kansas City anyway. So I like it. I think Piccolo's made a couple of savvy moves with Taylor and, and Mondesi now. And I know it's not the the blockbusters or anything like that, big free agents that that people might want, but it it's the right path, I think, to getting this turned around as quickly as possible. And I think maybe, Tommy, the best way to support these young starting pitchers is to get them a strong bullpen in behind them. Makes sense to me. Yeah, the one thing we know about J.J. Piccolo so far is that he's not going to shy away from making deals if the deals right. fit the team uh, and, and the direction that he wants to take the Royals. I don't have any issue with this trade whatsoever. I get it. Um, there was always the what if without a birth Mondesi and, and, you know, what could he do if he could stay on the field? Uh, and, and there was always that potential with him, but it never came to fruition with Kansas city. And so I would love to see him successful in Boston. Um, but, but of course it's going to come down to whether or not he, he's able to stay healthy. Uh, as far as the, the trade is concerned, the other thing about it that, I think makes a lot of sense is you can move Bobby Witt Jr. now to, to shortstop uh, and and have him be able to play in his natural position. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to be able to set him up for the most amount of success possible. It looks like the Royals are probably going to go with Bobby Witt at shortstop, Nicky Lopez at second, more than likely. Um, and, and so I get that. I understand the move. And, you know, if you can set yourself up for the most amount of success from a pitching perspective and get a couple of arms in the bullpen, I have no problem with it. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to to see if they absolutely move forward with Bobby Witt Jr. as a shortstop. It's interesting, and and I think that's where they go. I think he can play both, though. They're going you know, to gotta, They're gonna try. You got to you got to keep the options open because if he can play third, you know he's pre profiles just fine both places. Um, if if you know at some point the right fit comes along there, hopefully he maintains that you know, willingness to play both places. And, and I think he'll be able to do both at a high level. But yeah, he's a shortstop. Let him play shortstop. And and if you if that helps you and enhances the chances of getting a big bat to jump over there at third, great. Go for it. It it is a slow grog for the Royals. I think one thing we haven't really considered with the Royals, and it's just because we don't want to be fooled again. I, I do think that we at least need to leave the door open to the Royals vastly overachieving next year, the way that they vastly underachieved last year. You know, some of the development that we had hoped for with the pitching, I don't think it's going to happen, but I I do think, I I think the door can be cracked to it because, because of guys like Bobby Witt Jr. Right? Like if he really is that type of talent, which I think we all think he is year two could be a big year for him. Same thing with some of the other young guys. Salvi gets healthy and stays healthy. And then, uh, of course, it's all going to be about that starting pitching and its development. But, you know, getting to the point we thought they might be last year, this year, I suppose, is within the realm of possibility. But the reality is it's far more likely that this is one more year of a rebuild-type year. And if nothing else, too, Tommy, on bringing in these bullpen arms, the more— Bullpen arms are going to help them win games this year. I have no doubts about that. The other thing great bullpen arms or good bullpen arms even can do for you as a franchise is become tradable assets within that season, right? Like that that's the spot where teams need it desperately typically. And if you have it, you might be able to get a little bit more back in in a return on deals like that. So that's the other reason going and getting bullpen arms makes a lot of sense. It's the reason taking flyers on middling free agent starting pitchers make sense because if you hit on any of those you now have tradable assets even if you aren't winning games like you want to and that you know good teams do a good job of that of getting guys in getting the best of them and then trading them you know immediately that that helps in a rebuild good teams do that and they're able to hit on them more often than they miss and so that's the key so if you're going to go out and you're going to try to find some middling pitching and middling free agents to potentially use as trade bait. You've got to make sure you're hitting on them because if you right. don't, then you've just got bad pitchers on a, a bad team. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see, and we haven't talked about it on the show. I'm curious to see how a role this Chapman will fit into the bullpen for Kansas City. He signed a one year, three hundred and twenty five. Uh, or $3.25 million deal last week with the Royals. And so I'm curious to see if he's going to be effective. He does bring some drama with him. Um, He has multiple times in his career. uh, And his tenure with the Yankees ended under a cloud of controversy where, what was it? He, He was left off the playoff roster and missed a mandatory workout and whatever that was. So now he's with the Royals. That adds another bullpen arm. They've got Amir Garrett also. Uh, in the bullpen, so they've got pitchers that have done that have that have had success in the past. Of course, they add Josh Taylor, uh, who pitched really well in 2021 before missing all of last year with the back injury. So, to your point, they've got assets. If those assets can perform, uh, I think the jury is still out. I just don't see it. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'll be proven wrong. 
Yeah, well, we're all going to have to be proven wrong. It's just, you know, I guess if it can go so far negatively in one direction one year, maybe it can go the other way. And, and there's so much that still has to play out for them. But another move for the Royals that uh, that they get in there. Let's it take a break. Like, by the go way, ahead, real Tom. quick, it sounds like they might not be done dealing either. So keep your eyes open for that. That's a they've little frightening. To teams about, yeah, they've talked to teams about Hunter Dozier potentially, which I don't know if there are a lot of teams that want to pick up the contract that Hunter Dozier has, but they're talking about him and potentially even Nicky Lopez. I wouldn't trade Lopez. Dozier, I think, will have more value, you would hope, during the season if he's able to to get off to any kind of hot start and hit some home runs. Uh, Dozier would be a handy handy bat, I think, with his defensive versatility and and pop coming off of somebody's bench. I wouldn't trade Nicky Lopez. I'd I'd hang on to Nicky Lopez because I don't think he's ever going to be an expensive player um, if he pans out, and I think he fits Uh, for the Royals and what they'll ultimately have to do if they want to get back to winning. Let's take a quick break, Tommy. I want to give us ample time here in our final full segment to continue that Hall of Fame discussion we were getting into on the eve of Scott Rowland entering nobody else. Uh, We'll discuss Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame, 869-1240. Shockers play tonight. We'll have a little more on that as well. All continues on Sports Day. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Oh, man. Tommy, Hall of Fame. So I, I think one of my biggest problems with Baseball Hall of Fame is, one, how it's done and how the how these guys kind of hold players hostage a little bit. Um, but I, I think baseball's problem is that it only values, like, certain things to Hall of Fame, which the actual game doesn't quite value the same way. For example, defense is never, almost almost never valued in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad Scott Rowland got in because that is a little bit of a tip of the cap to his defense, certainly. He was an incredible defender. But it not like you. we don't have places for the very best defensive players, for instance, that we have in Major League Baseball. We really don't have a place for the very best relievers. What are there, like three in the Hall of Fame? Like these important critical things that happen on a baseball field don't have the place like they do in some other places. And and I think our standard for it is is just too high. And it's confusing, right? Fred McGriff and Todd Helton, they're actually really comparable players. And Todd Helton has a higher war, is higher everywhere except home runs. And sometimes I think in baseball, like we we only look at home runs or whatever it is. Ben Wallace is is in the Naismith Hall of Fame, right? He was just inducted. And I think that that's totally relevant and valid because he was one of the best defensive players for an entire generation. In pro football, it's even harder to compare because guys do so many different things and get in all the time. You might have an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in the same class. They don't do any of the same things, right? But baseball doesn't allow for that. And then you get exclusive classes. You get years like last year where nobody gets in. And that just has never made sense to me why you would do everything you can to keep players out of the Hall of Fame rather than creating a place that celebrates all the different things about your game. Aren't the metrics all over the place? I mean, it doesn't seem like there is really a standard. Um, and that that's why I don't follow it, really, uh, because there are a lot of different ways that you can judge a player's worth. And it's different in baseball than it is in football, because when you play football, you play on one side of the ball or the other. Typically Um, in baseball, to be a good all around player, hitting, fielding, running like there are a lot of different metrics that come into play uh, with that. And then, of course, when you're a pitcher, uh, are you a, a high quality starter? Are you getting wins? What's your overall ERA? What's your whip? Same thing if you're a reliever. How many saves do you have? Uh, so th- there are so many different criteria that could play into it. And I feel like it's all over the place when you've got these writers that are voting on their ballots. And then, so number one, it's already, the, the, it's kind of muddied already. And then you throw in the whole steroid era and how do you value players like Alex Rodriguez and Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds and, you know, some of these other guys, Sammy Sosa, how do you value them eventually? And it's coming up, I think, fairly soon. A lot of those players will be ineligible to be on future ballots in the way that it's, it's set up now. So eventually that's going to go away and then it'll be other criteria and other people that will determine if they get into the Hall of Fame. It's just it's so confusing from start to finish. And then when the dust settles and it's all said and done, and you have all this criteria. Last year, you have nobody get in, and right. this year, you have Scott Rowland get in. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, I just, I don't and, care. 
I don't and care anymore. It allows too much of like a personal vendetta to play in too. But to, and and Omar Vizquel was the guy that came up really yesterday for me, where you know guys were almost being like, oh, almost Omar Vizquel's never going to get in, and I'm like, what? Why would a guy like Omar Vizquel, who eleven times in his career was the best defender at the most important defensive position in baseball, arguably, at shortstop. 11 times he was the best defensive shortstop by gold glove standards, and I know that's not always the the only standard defensively, but it's a good one for this topic. 11 times for a career 274 hitter, 272 hitter, who at one point was a prolific base stealer, um, whose on-base percentage over his career was 336, right? Like, no, he wasn't a power hitter. But that's not the only thing that matters is being a power hitter in baseball. Like, it's just not. And look, on top of that, too, if you're going to put Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame, and again, like, okay, that's fine. I'm not, I don't have a huge, overwhelming, like, dislike for the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm I'm fine. I get it. It's okay. But if you're going to put Scott Rowland in, Todd Helton should be in. Billy yes. Wagner should be in. Andrew Jones should be in. Yes. Gary Sheffield. Like, I'm just going down the list. Sheffield's Sheffield got a little bit in. of the a little of the cloud over him, I think. Um, so Sheffield's Carlos a little Beltran bit. Carlos Beltran should be in. Jeff yes. Kent should be in. Uh, Manny Ramirez should be in. Andy Pettit should be in. Omar Vizquel should be in. So if Pettit's, you're gonna, a stero- I, that- Pettit's a steroid guy. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it. Jimmy Rollins at some point probably needs to be in, and we're just going down the list of, of the votes last night. Jeff Kent, for a long time, Jeff Kent, this was his final year on the ballot, Tommy, and for basically his entire generation, he was the best offense, best second yep. baseman offensively in baseball. Like, for an entire career, he was that. And and that guy doesn't have a place in the Hall of Fame. He was the best second baseman in baseball for a generation. That guy has to down. have a place. Stop <laughs> comparing second baseman offensively to to first baseman. Why do we do that? I'm going down the list uh, of the, the, the potential candidates here. Um who in their right mind voted for Bronson Arroyo to be in the Hall of Fame? He got one vote. Why exactly. are you voting for Bronson That's the other. Arroyo? That's the other problem, right? <laughs> like, what? How? whoever did that shouldn't get it. Whoever doesn't release their ballot shouldn't get it. Whoever wants to make a cute statement by not putting anybody on their ballot, they don't need to get—they they shouldn't get to have a vote anymore. Um, I mean, you can't—come like, on now. And, and I think— what what we've got to do in baseball that we don't do well enough is compare guys to their peers at the positions that they play. Jeff Kent's a great example. So is Omar Vizquel. Like, can we stop comparing Jeff Kent to Albert Pujols, please? Like, they were two totally different baseball players that played totally different positions that did totally different things in their spot in the line. Like, that's not realistic. Jeff Kent, had 100 RBIs, I'm looking at it, eight times over his career. He was an all-star five times. He won an MVP award. And, and like, no other second baseman were doing that kind of stuff over that kind of a 17-year career. you got to have a spot for your second baseman to get in. I saw Scott Rowland, and I can't remember the number of what it was, but it was something like the third third baseman in 30 years. Don't quote me on what that was, but something like that. That's, you can't you can't do that. The NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is not going through a stretch where they don't have quarterbacks for an X number of years. They don't have offensive linemen for an X number of years, running backs. Like, they don't do that because it doesn't make any sense. But because everybody hits in baseball, we pretend like they're all the same 
type of player. You have to have spots for guys that run, for guys that defend, for guys that hit for average or get on base. It's not all about hitting home runs. If a guy hits 500 home runs and strikes out 200, 200 times a year every year, I mean, like, come on. We can't do that. That's not good for the game. Well, and like I mentioned before, I, I just I feel like once we get through this era of the guys that have that cloud kind of hanging over and you can get back to the basics a little bit, I think that that clears it up somewhat. It doesn't totally solve the issue, but at least you don't have to deal with that on top of, you know, players that are, you know, contributing different things of value more than just hitting home runs. And I, I've, I've been really um, confused about the way that the steroid era players are being handled when it comes to the Hall of Fame, because it's pretty clear and pretty apparent the guys that we know were into steroids during that time. It's been very public. We know about Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez and Roger Clemens and all of that. But what about other guys that played in that era that we don't know? That we they've ne it's never been proven. They've not admitted to it. They've never been caught. You just don't know. And they're on the Hall of Fame ballots. Like you mentioned to Gary Sheffield. Do we know Gary Sheffield? Took steroids I don't during his career? I, honestly, I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, Do Jeff Kent, that... by the way, Jeff Kent, higher higher per year war and overall war than Fred McGriff. And Fred McGriff is 100% a Hall of Fame baseball player. And, and I'm sure Jeff Kent can get in the same way down the road. But like, and, and maybe the new generation does value that stuff. And war has always been sort of that thing that that makes different positions. And, and this and is where it's so is. subjective. It, it's so subjective because you've got baseball writers and nothing against baseball writers, but you've got baseball writers giving their opinion when they're casting the vote. Uh, it, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting we take the votes away from them, but there's no objective criteria really. It's just based on a lot of different things. It's based on, I would even say like visibility in the league titles that, you know, players have won. Fred McGriff played on teams that, were in the spotlight a lot during his time where Todd Hilton wasn't. He played in Colorado. They didn't win any titles. He wasn't in the national media a lot. You know, so that plays into it too. There, there's a lot of subjective things that go into it, not just what their war is. Uh, and, and so I think that that's where you're always going to have a flaw in the system. Well, right, because Todd Helton is a full war point. Like he's at 4.5 per year over his career than Fred McGriff. Like, it, you're right. Where guys play has always mattered, which is silly, which is naive and dumb. And again, something we don't do in other sports. But I kind of do think it's time to take it away from the writers. Writers can be a part of the process, but not the only part of the process. If you can't ask former players and managers and baseball executives who Hall of Famers are, then I think you're missing out because that, that perspective is important. I would imagine... Most guys that played with Todd Helton would tell you that Todd Helton was a Hall of Famer or pitched against him or, you know, all of those things. And yes, his ballpark does factor into that in the other way, too. He got to play in Coors Field. That matters also. Yeah. Just have a, have a discussion among baseball people, not just baseball writers. Anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the network next on Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 